Hey, happy Mother's Day uh, to you all that that applies for, applies to, I mean. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we titled that um, Happy Mother's Day, You're Really Hard to Surprise, (laughs) because they were trying to videotape these uh, without moms knowing, and there's no way you're going to do anything in your house that mom doesn't know about. Uh, But I hope some of you may have been surprised. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Hope this morning, uh, Hope Online. I'm Jeff Bills. I'm lead pastor here at Hope, and I'm being joined by Pastor Rick. Yeah, Rick Court, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Hope, and we're excited to be here, and happy Mother's Day as well. Uh, Also, happy Mother's Day to my mom and my mother-in-law, who should be listening and watching right now. Nice move. That was that was good. One happy it? Mother's yeah. Day, Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and happy Mother's Day, Kelly. Yeah, right, come yeah, on. Go. Wait, anybody else? We happy yeah. Mother's Day, Jeff. Uh, yeah, we're good. Thank you. Now? Yeah, we're good? I think right. we're covered. Yeah. So, uh, so we're in this series. We're excited about called "Strong Like Her," and uh, we're going to look at an Old Testament story this morning. It's uh, the story of Ruth, which begins with these words. We're going to jump right into the story. Uh, in the days when the judges ruled Israel, and the what the 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 uh, uh, the writer of this ancient text was letting us know is the context for this story. And and so there's no national leadership at this time in ancient Israel. At best, they had some local tribal leaders, uh, which were called judges. And these were not judicial judges in that sense, but they were more like military leaders who they had a responsibility for enforcing the law and order of that time. And and it was a bloodthirsty and brutal and violent history that was happening at this time in, uh, in the world. And then to make things worse, there's a, uh, there's a famine. It's a natural disaster that has impacted the entire known world at that time. And what was once a really hard existence has now become even harder. And so that's the whole context for the story uh, that's found in the Old Testament book of Ruth. And there's a woman who's named Naomi, and she has two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Now, Naomi's husband, as well as her two sons, have all died. That's kind of a testimony to how, how brutal the world is at this time, that these three men in this family have all died, and they've left these three women as widows. Uh, and so security at this time in the, uh, was largely found in these family units. So the larger family you had, the more protection you might have in your home. And so in these ancient times, a widow is someone with no people. Therefore, there's no safety. There's a, a basically their, uh, their present is hopeless at best yeah. and their future is dismal. Now, knowing how hard that this life is, Naomi has, has released Ruth and Orpah, her two daughters-in-law, and she, since they're younger, her thought is that they can go home to their, to their families of origin, and they can start a new life, and, uh, and they can have some protection from their family unit. And Naomi believes that for herself, the only hope is to go back to Judah, uh, which is her homeland. So she wants to release her two daughters-in-law. Uh, Now, there is news that the famine in Judah is uh, coming to an end, but returning, this is going to be a dangerous journey for Naomi. She has to travel without protection, like like I already mentioned, and it likely means that she'll be begging for food in the streets, that she'll be struggling to find shelter. Uh, It would mean a very dangerous journey, and again, another reason why she would want uh, uh, Ruth and Orpah to, to leave. She doesn't want to have them deal with this kind of struggle. 
So she sends them away, and the story in the chapter 1 says that they kiss and they weep together as they're about to part. And Orpah leaves and she returns to her family. But Ruth, she makes this bold commitment to Naomi, and she demonstrates this incredible courage. Uh, uh, she, now, Ruth would have been right if she had left, if she had said, uh, 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 thank you for, for uh, that we have this opportunity to part ways here. And Ruth is young enough, she could have gone back, like I mentioned, and, and possibly started a family. Uh, but instead, she courageously steps up and chooses to, to, uh, to care for her aging and lonely mother-in-law. And she makes this statement, it's on the screen. She says, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. There's so much more to this story, right, Pastor oh my Jeff? Gosh. I mean, it's a story filled with danger and adventure. There's even a cliffhanger, and there's even a little <laughs> bit of romance in this story as yeah, well. Yeah, these stories that we've been highlighting, Esther last week, mm-hmm. Ruth this week, are really great stories, and uh, but as you read it, um, it's it's a world that's hard to relate to in 21st century America. Yes. You know, this kind of tribalism and um, the kinds of dangers that they face. The, the only thing I can liken it to in modern day might be, uh, you know, parts of Afghanistan that we hear about are being led by tribal leaders and so forth and very uh, difficult existence and particularly for women. Um, but as foreign as it is, there are things in this story that are as um, current today um, as they would have been back then. And one of the things that uh, we're going to highlight is that we recognize through the story that God truly designed us for relationship. Mm. God designed us to be in relationship with one another. And uh, so we see these women who, um, facing this great danger and so forth, are really struggling to break these relationships because they're so important to them just like our relationships are important to us today. You know, one of the things that I hear from everybody that I talk to is one of the most difficult parts of this current situation that we're in is the struggle to maintain our friendships, those people that are so close to us and that matter to us um, so much that we can't physically be with them. And that is really, really hard. You know, Maybe you have uh, remember this little thing that we uh, kids and young people play. Um, if you were stuck on a deserted island, and then you'd ask, what one book, if you can only have one book on this deserted island, what book would it be? If it, if it was just one movie, what movie would it be? If it was one food, what food would it be? If it were one person, who would it be? And I was saying to Marilyn recently, I feel like I'm living that out. Good news is I get to be stuck on this deserted island with the one person I'd want to be with, <laughs> uh, you know, Marilyn. But, you know, and she feels the same way. But, but we still miss our friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're doing what so many folks are doing is we're, we're finding ways to be together apart. And mm-hmm. so we spend time with our family and close friends 
um, either on FaceTime or on Zoom meetings. Yeah, we didn't see how important, never realized how important these Zoom meetings would be in our lives. Oh my right? gosh. Yeah, I was on a, on a meeting with some folks from Hope List this week, and, and uh, uh, for some of those folks, we hadn't connected with each other in, in a while, and there were 20 or 25 little windows uh, that were up, <laughs> and we were all waving at each other and laughing at different things. And, and what was so remarkable was at the end of the conversation, everyone was talking about how good it was to yeah. see each other and even sending emails like, oh, it was so great for us to connect and get connected. And, uh, and I, I was uh, reminded of something I heard actually weeks or months ago now, now it's been months, uh, early on uh, on Facebook, someone had said, you know, social distancing probably isn't the best term for this. Right. It really should be physical distancing because it's, it's being socially apart is so challenging for us because we're designed for relationships. And so we need to choose to be physically apart, but not socially apart. So we see that uh, in this story. The next thing that we see, and, and we're talking about courage, um, is that Ruth and Naomi facing what is potentially a catastrophic future. Mm. It's not a, it's a bleak future that they're yeah, facing. At best, yeah. But they have the courage to commit to one another. Despite what the future looks like, they have the courage to commit to being together with and for one another. You see this throughout the story of uh, the book of Ruth where both Naomi and Ruth are committed to each other. You know, Naomi, as an older woman, recognized that Ruth and Orpah had the opportunities to go back home, like Rick said, and have the opportunity to perhaps create a new life back in their home villages and so forth that they may have family members still living, men in their lives who can act as protectors for them. And so she wants them to get back there, even though it's not best for her. Right. Ruth, likewise, even though it's not best for her personally, she wants to be with and for Naomi. And uh, so she makes this incredible commitment, this courageous commitment um, of, I'm going to be with you. I love the words of, of that uh, passage where she says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. That is a commitment yes. of great courage. It is the ultimate I've got your back, you know? We're not talking about Facebook friends kind of thing here, you know? I have, I just looked the other day, I have about 930 friends. Wow, that's impressive. It is yeah. impressive. We're going to get well, over 1,000. We'll yeah. work on that. You know, and I know there's a lot of people who are watching this who are saying 900. Man, I, <laughs> I had that in week one. You've got thousands of friends. But here's the thing. I don't have 900 friends. You don't have 2,000 friends. You have... 2,000 people that are kind of curious to see some pictures, maybe, mm. um, but they're not going to be there for you in those times of need. I don't have 900 friends, but those friends that I have are those people who I know right. will have my back in those times. That There are folks who are committed to me, and, uh, and I'm committed to them, and looking out for the best for them. You know, Rick, Marilyn, and I had this scripture read um, at our wedding uh, because we believe that the words of Ruth, that, that covenant promise that she made, is a reflection of the kind of promise that we make in, in marriages, 
It's the kind of promise, maybe we don't say it out loud, but it's the kind of promise that we make to people who are our truest friends that where you go, I'm going to go, and what you, where you stay, I'm going to stay, and, and your people will be my people. Um, it, it's really a great and courageous thing to say to somebody. And, and, this, and this commitment to serving someone else that way, it's kind of the way, uh, uh, it's even what sh uh, wearing masks is all about, right? It's this idea of that, that I'm going to wear this mask because I'm committed to... I'm committed to the other person. I'm yeah. committed to not letting them get sick. And it's just that way of, of uh, demonstrating that, that commitment. But, and while we understand the importance of these relationships, you know, because we, we get it. We understand this need for relationships. To be honest, I, we tend to gravitate towards independence, right? Our world tells us that we need to be independent, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? We have those kinds of stayings. And for some people, this is on purpose. Uh, for others, it's even unconscious or subconscious that we have this uh, independence is kind of enticing, right? It's this idea of a, I can do it on my own. I can go on my own. I can feel strong. I can feel yes. in control. I, yes. can, I can kind of... Uh, 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 um, uh, believe that it's a worthy goal. And I grew up kind of thinking that, that I grew up thinking that I need to be on my own. I need to do this myself. I need to, uh, uh, I don't need anyone else in my life. The Lone and, Ranger. Yeah. And the reality <laughs> is, is when we try to live like that, uh, all we're doing is, um, is hiding, hiding our faults from others, right? And all we're doing is protecting ourselves from what someone else may do to us and the hurt that someone else may cause. And so it takes real courage to, to say, I'm going to not do this alone. I'm going to do this with other people. Uh, I love what Paul wrote in Romans. Uh, he was talking to some Christians who were living in Rome. He had not seen them. And he says this, it's up on the screen. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. And I think we all can relate to that, right? We, we look forward to seeing, seeing each other soon. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And then he says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And there's this idea of this, this courage of intentional relationships, mm. that, that deep friendships, it takes courage. It, uh, and if we don't take uh, uh, the opportunity to build some intentional relationships in our lives, we will end up just having acquaintances and not real friendships. And, and it's in moments like this, when, when we're in these most hard times, that we realize how important those relationships can be. Absolutely. And we realize that if we're going to have these kinds of friendships, it's going to require of us some sacrifice, self-sacrifice, putting the interest of the other person ahead of our own interest. And we certainly see that in the story of Ruth and Naomi. We see it in the example of the Apostle Paul. You know, so Paul put his, his own interest, his own security his own um, ego and so forth. He put all of that aside so that he could be there to support and encourage other Christ yeah. followers. And what's interesting is, as you read the accounts in Acts, that he did the same thing for them. Uh, uh, that they did the same thing for him, I yes. mean. Yeah. yeah, so, so uh, lots of unnamed people put their own interests, their own lives at risk 
in order to be a friend to Paul. That's what he's talking about here is he wants to be encouraged by them as well. He needs their friendship as much as they need his friendship. And so it, it takes courage, again, to put your own interests aside, to put your own agenda aside, to put your own success second to helping someone else find success. That's the idea behind these kinds of friendships. You know, I was uh, watching an interview uh, this past week, Rick, that um, they were interviewing a nurse and the uh, reporter was commending this nurse for her courage. She was working uh, in a hospital uh, among COVID patients and, you know, every day putting herself at risk. We hear this time and time again of these uh, courageous um, healthcare workers. And uh, this young nurse said this. She said, well, you know, I was raised to believe that to find yourself, you have to lose yourself in service to others. Like, there's courage. That's the kind of courage that we're talking about, that she's finding herself by dying to herself for the sake of others. Well, you know, Jesus had a similar thing that he said. And Jesus, in Matthew 20, 28, said this, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the kind of uh, friendship that we're talking about, where you're putting your own interest, you're putting the interest of yourself second to the interests of others. And you're right, the whole mask thing, you know, really, we're wearing masks not to not to protect me from right. from you, but for me to protect you from me, mm. you know? And so that's the idea, I think, uh, behind the, the whole mask thing. So, you know, thinking about this whole friendship and the importance, the, our need for relationship and um, the courage that it takes and so forth, it, it brought to mind um, somebody I hadn't thought about for years, um, a guy who came here about 20 years ago Um, The reason he showed up at Hope Church with his wife was his former pastor basically kicked him out of his church. (laughs) Um, This guy had become so negative and and such a uh, problem for that church that the pastor finally asked him to leave. And so he showed up here at Hope and uh, I quickly understood what some of the issues were. Um, He wanted me to know that he had always been in positions of leadership in every church. I've been on finance teams. I've been on trustee teams. I've been an elder. And so I'm ready, you know, to uh, come in here and to be part of the leadership. It was that experience that caused me to coin the phrase here that if you're not ready, if you're not willing to serve, you're not ready to lead. If you're not willing to serve, you're not. He didn't want to serve. He wanted to be the boss. He wanted to tell people what to do and he wanted to be in charge. And so I wasn't letting him anywhere near leadership positions, but was really encouraging him to, you know, get involved in a small group, get, get connected in with some of our service ministries. Uh, Bob, there's lots that you can do. Um, I don't need you in leadership right now. And that really frustrated him. But eventually um, he got into a small group. And so there was a Thursday small group that I led every Thursday at 6.30 in the morning. We had about a dozen guys in this group. And um, after being a part of that group for a while, he came to me and he said, you know, I hear you preach about and I hear these guys talk about in this small group 
um, these friendships that they have. And so they seem to have these close friendships and um, they don't just go to church together. They go to breakfast during the week and meet, you know, one-on-one and two-on-two and so forth. And they go golfing together and I don't have that. So how come nobody is my friend? And I said, Bob, if, if you want to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. You've got to be willing to enter in and to serve others. You've got you've to be a friend to them if you want them to be a friend to you. And he struggled with that concept uh, over the next couple of years. Last, the, the next thing that happened was um, the youth ministry needed some volunteers. And so on a Sunday morning, I just made an ask. I said, hey, if this is something you feel God's laying on your heart and you want to help in our youth ministry, see me after the service. And don't you know, Bob comes up. Now, Bob is in his 70s at this point. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Um, But okay, Bob, if you want to help with youth, I don't think this is going to last. But okay, you know, if you want to help out. This is about the time that you came into the uh, staff, right? Yeah, uh, 15 years ago, I uh, arrived here and I meet the youth leaders. And one of these leaders is this 70-year-old man uh, who already has had both knees replaced (laughs) and is doing youth work. And I was like, what in the world are we going to do with a guy like this? Well, it turns out that he was just beginning to take on this challenge of yours to build and invest in relationships. And so it turns out that uh, we do our first mission trip and and Bob is one of the first volunteers, the first leaders who says, I want to go on the mission trip. And so I'm like, all right, do you realize what you're committing to? And he <laughs> says, yeah, I can do this. I, I'm, I'm able to do this. And so 70-something Bob goes on the bus with uh, 50 other students and, and some other leaders. And I was Bob, sure it was going to kill him. <laughs> Bob turns into a rock star on this trip because Bob had this way of teaching students how to use power tools. And he shares his life with them. He begins talking about what's going on in students asking students about what's going on in their lives and he really begins to make this investment and Bob ended up becoming uh, a a serious hero on multiple trips he went on trips every year after that I believe until he died yeah and uh, at his at his death I had the opportunity you were away and I was had the privilege of uh, officiating his funeral and during that funeral service there were students and adults who shared about how Bob had changed their lives because of the investment that he had made. And then I had the chance to share about Bob's deep love for Jesus and about how Jesus had changed his life towards the end of his years. And after the service, a family member came up to me and she said, what you and others have described is not the person I grew up knowing. And I thought, if only Bob had met Jesus sooner, if only Bob had invested in relationships sooner, the impact he could have had on his family would have been outstanding because of the way he impacted the people in his life at the, at the tail end of his life. Absolutely true. It's, so we've been talking about courage over these last three weeks. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, I believe gives us the courage that we need um, is if we have the right weapon. <laughs> You know, it it always helps to have a weapon. And uh, so there's a song that um, I want to have, I I want us to share with you. So we asked one of our uh, worship team members, uh, Emily Talley, if she would uh, share this song with us this morning. And uh, so give a listen to Emily. Emily. 